Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... When you read the book of Romans, it certainly appears that access to God is personal through the person of the Holy Spirit. And that is correct. That's why it's in Romans. When you read the book of Ephesians, it seems to indicate that access to God is also corporate. The body of Christ, the gathering of God's people through the Holy Spirit. Why is it in Ephesians? Because that is correct. Because that is correct. But most people only catch the individual access that we have to God as Christians, and they miss the corporate access that we have as Christians. How important do you think it is that people are part of a local church? In Ephesians chapter 2, the Lord shares his heart on this through the writings of the Apostle Paul. Here we see that belonging to a God-worshiping, Bible-teaching, loving church family is essential to our faith and the heart of God. In this family, like the Lord Jesus Christ, we do not come to be served, but to serve. In this family, we do not come as consumers or customers, but as contributors to the mission of God as He extends His love and compassion through His children to one another. To learn more of God's heart for you being part of His family and His church, here's Pastor Jim. All of us who are Christians came into the kingdom the same way through the blood of Christ. Through the cross. The cross is what unites us. And having been forgiven so much, we forgive and we work together, not against one another, for the kingdom of God. Now, I get those things that the church growth movement guys kind of either email me or send me free samples of, and they differ on this. They believe that you, you segment a group and try and reach just one group and tailor your services to them. I, I, I can't comment on their churches. I don't know whether they're gathering a crowd or gathering a community of God's people. But I do wonder, or I hope, I don't know, is that a wall? Is that building a wall? The early church struggled with this, and the Apostle worked hard, the Apostle Paul worked hard to show the people of God that Christ abolished the wall and that Christ is our peace. And that peace in Christ abolishes such walls. Verse 17, and he came and preached peace to peace to those who were afar off. So Jesus came and preached peace to those who were far off. That's the Gentiles. And to those who were near. Who are those who were near? That was the Jews. For through him, Jesus, we have both access by one spirit to the Father. So there's the Trinity right there. We're going to be really challenged here as Americans on what he's talking about is here by access by one spirit to the Father. 
Now, these are interesting verses, especially verse 18. And so, so, so let's review what we've learned. How is our peace with God and peace with one another achieved? By the blood of Jesus, by the cross of Christ. But how is it announced and how is it applied to followers of Jesus? So we know how it's possible because of the cross, but how is it announced and how is it applied? Well, certainly it was announced by Jesus before the cross and after the resurrection. The prophets told us it was coming. A lot of people couldn't figure it out. We were looking in the rearview mirror. We're like, how couldn't they figure it out? Well, we couldn't have figured it out either. Certainly it was declared by the apostles. They announced it too. Jesus left. So who was around to announce it? The apostles. And, 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 and if you, they declared the gospel. They declared the word of God. And if you say, are you sure they did? It's sitting on your lap. It's sitting on your lap. But what about through the ages? Who declared it? Who's declaring it now? The same way it's always been. Followers of Jesus tell the story. That's how it happens. Jesus came. He is the story. He went to heaven. The apostles then told the story. The church formed. They died. They don't live here anymore. And so then people through the ages have been telling the story. Verse uh, 17, it says, he came and preached peace. I think personally that, that Jesus was, that, uh, sorry, the Apostle Paul was thinking of this verse pertaining to Jesus, Isaiah 52, 7, which we studied, I don't know, a year ago. How beautiful upon the mountains, written 700 years before Jesus lived, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. So he says right here in verse 17, he came and preached peace. Isaiah said there will be a guy who will come and preach peace. A legit guy, not a phony prophet like the prophets often talked about. Verse 17, it says, he came to those who were afar off. That's what he says here in Ephesians 2.17. Isaiah 57.19 says, I create the fruit of the lips, peace, peace, to him who is far off and to him who is near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. Now, now this, is, this is very interesting. So he says he's going to create the fruit of the lips, peace, peace, to him who is afar off and to him who is near. Now, if you look at verse 18, he ties that to access by one spirit to the Father. So, who announces it? Who, who, who made it possible? Christ on the cross. Who announced it? Christ, the apostles, and now the followers of Jesus. Who applies it to the heart? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So, if this is correct... Part of the wall coming down, the biggest part of the wall coming down, is that the Holy Spirit has replaced the temple as access into the presence of God. 
once again, and we and and I always want to make a big deal of this because I'm always fearful that either people are afraid of the Holy Spirit or they're excessive with stuff that's not biblical about the Holy Spirit, but we have the right attitude of the person and work of God, the Holy Spirit, that we do not just pass over what he does. And so the Apostle Paul constantly, he is the Apostle of the Spirit, he draws attention to the work of the Holy Spirit. So Christ made this new humanity possible, but the realization of it is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has formed us into one body, brings together, brings us together into the presence of God as one body. Now, the individualistic Christian often misses this. When you read the book of Romans, it certainly appears that access to God is personal through the person of the Holy Spirit. And that is correct. That's why it's in Romans. When you read the book of Ephesians, it seems to indicate that access to God is also corporate the body of Christ, the gathering of God's people through the Holy Spirit. Why is it in Ephesians? Because that is correct. Because that is correct. But most people only catch the individual access that we have to God as Christians, and they miss the corporate access that we have as Christians. Now, if you study revivals, and it is, it is a complex study because each generation is very different. There are some commonalities, but often revivals um, follow a period of great deadness in the church. The church has just become dead. It's going through the motions. We come in, we go out. We come in, we go out. We come in, we go out. We start to look to other things. Remember we said this past Sunday, Jesus is not enough. So we have to start to look for other things. You know what? Uh, they, they won't come back if we keep telling them about this bloody cross every week. So, so next week, how to be happy. How to meet that dream girl. How to meet that dream guy. How to be rich. And by the way, don't forget to share the wealth with us. We're going to give them all this. How to get some, some churches preach how to get in shape. Go to the gym, get a personal trainer. There, no charge for that one. <laughs> But, but this is what goes on. So, so, so revivals often follow a period of deadness in the church. And then what happens? People begin to be stirred by God to pray. They're stirred. They know there's something really, really wrong. They have a holy discontentment. They're almost sick. They don't even want to come anymore because people are going through the motions. But they continue to come. Because they know this, that God is worthy of our praise. Now, this is where we, we think, oh, it must be so, so much fun all the time. That is often followed by a deep conviction of sin by the Holy Spirit. But here is where it gets really strange. The people are deeply convicted of their sin by the Holy Spirit, but believe it or not, so they're praying... They're convicted of their sin, and believe it or not, 
many revivals have intense singing of songs of joy in the church. You're, you're like, what? The church goes from being dead and there's conviction of sin and even though the people are convicted of their sin, they're not singing like the tomb is empty, like the tomb is still full. They're singing like the tomb is empty. They're singing songs of great joy. So that's why there was many years ago, and it's a good practice, there's, there's a time of response after the message where maybe we're repenting of our sin before God, but then there is great joy because if we really repented, there's no need to be sad. We are full of joy, and the onlookers are going, what is going on with these people? Because the power of the Spirit is moving through the people, convicted of sin, and at the same time, full of joy. Why? Because they're going heaven because of the blood of Christ. Because of the cross. What makes it all possible is, is the cross of Christ. That's what it is. People don't want to leave. They just want to sing and they want to... Revival, so often we think of it as just great preaching. So much of it is the great singing. And so many of the great songs of the history of the faith have come out of revivals because the people don't want to go to lunch. They want to keep singing. They don't want to go home. And, and, and the, so it's all possible because of the cross of Christ. But what makes it a reality is a glorious experience of the Holy Spirit which gives the people a sense of the glorious presence of God. And therefore, you sense the conviction of sin. You sense the conviction of sin. When people say, I, I, have a, you know, I, I don't have a guilty conscience, I don't have that. I'm like, you have no idea what it is to step into the holiness of God, do you? You have no idea. That last song we sang before we were here tonight, let us remember what it is we're doing when we come to church. We are stepping in to the presence of the holiness of God when he dwells with his people. That's why, listen, we're casual in our approach here at Calvary Chapel about a lot of things, but we should never be casual about God. Never casual about God. The seat should be full before the service. Not everybody coming in when they want to. I understand if you're parking cars and you know you got to come in later, you're doing something out there, but, but we should be ready to worship the Lord. So let's, let's do the revival checklist of our culture right now, the church in America. Uh, deadness in the church? Check. <laughs> Check. Um, uh, prayer? Yeah, not so good. Maybe a week or two we can get it going, but that's about it. Conviction of sin? Oh, I don't know about that one. I don't think so. Joyful singing? Most people are singing like it's Saturday. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? He was crucified Friday and he rose from the dead on Sunday. It ain't Saturday anymore. <laughs> Most people are singing like it's like it's Saturday. Now, by the way, you know, I, there's a couple services. Half of you, one half of you at the other. You could carry the whole service. Just you guys. Just do it. So, well, I'm waiting for the other people to sing. Stop. I'm waiting for somebody else to raise their hands. Stop. Right? If you're weird, we'll tell you you're weird. Don't worry about that. The things that we need to worship God are right at our disposal. Verse 19, because of what we just read, 
especially verse 13 about being far off and being brought near, he says, now therefore you, again talking to Gentile Christians predominantly, are no longer strangers and foreigners. What is he saying? You no longer have to feel inferior to other people. You no longer have to feel inferior to the Jews. You are not a second-class Christian. You are not a second-class citizen of heaven. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. Because of the cross. So he says, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. Remember, those are the people of God. And because they're, they're, he writes to saints, they're alive. We, we now have dead people we call saints. Fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Now, in the Roman Empire, a little bit similar to what we have going on right now, citizenship was very, very valuable. We have a worldwide refugee crisis. I know the, the media in this country paints that we're the only country that, that, that is, is, is really struggling what to do with this, but it's, it's in a lot of places. It's in a lot of places, and, and there's, some, there's a, a lot of dialogue and debate about such things. But, but in a country, citizenship in general, in the Roman Empire it was. Paul, Paul couldn't be beaten. They beat him. He goes, you beat me? I'm a Roman citizen. Who do you think you are? You can't do that. Citizenship is a big deal. Citizenship entitles you to the rights of the land. He says here, in God's eyes in heaven, now that you've trusted in Jesus, you are no longer strangers. What are strangers? Strangers are transients. He says, you're no longer a transient. He says, you're no longer foreigners. What are, what are foreigners? People go, oh, man, you go into New York City and it's a bunch of foreigners. I mean, say, people say stuff like that. Hopefully that talk is just going to leave our culture. But, but, but what, what, what is a foreigner? Typically a resident alien. Someone who lives in the country but is not, doesn't have full citizenship. Doesn't have, they have limited rights and privileges. The Apostle Paul says, that's not you. If you put your trust in Christ, you don't have a limited citizenship. That, that you, you, you're not, you don't have limited rights and privileges. Because of Jesus' work on the cross and, and, and the response of faith and trust, we have been granted full citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. So that means we're all legal. You can go to heaven. Somebody go, what are you doing here? You go, I'm legal. <laughs> Get used to it. You don't have to carry papers. It's written on your heart. But in addition to privileges, we also have responsibilities. Because we're citizens, we have responsibility to our country. And he said we're part of the household. We have responsibilities to the family. Philippians 3, 20 and 21, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember, I've said this a billion times, and I'll say it a billion more. Waiting is not doing nothing. So if we are citizens of heaven and we are here, do you realize what we're doing here? We are on a gospel business trip. That's what we're on. We're on a business trip. We, we, are, we are to reach a diverse people with a unifying message. One of, that's one of the reasons why it's important that we pray for and support, support 
multicultural church planting multiplication because we want to love the people of the world. He says here, you're also part of the family. Some people are like, it's kind of a dysfunctional family. I know, so is every family. And so here we have two parts of a family that previously did not get along. And families don't always get along, but the best of families know that the mission of the family is more important than one person's opinion. And it's the same way in the church. Sadly, many people treat church as a place where they come to be served. Is that the way a family functions? Not a good family. Family works when everybody pitches in. You're not a follower of Jesus. Tonight you could be part of the family. Just put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. The church is to be a big part of your identity as a follower of Jesus. I know you all have friends who, who, who are no longer part of a church for some reason. I told you, I will meet with them. I, we can, we can, I'll, for, I'll let them form a line. I will, I will meet with them. I will plead with them. You don't have to do it. I'll be happy to do it for you. But you have to contest it. You have to say to them, no, 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 no. Being part of a body, a local body of Christians, is an important part of your identity in Christ. It is a hugely important part. You cannot discount it. Back in the day, there were old theologians that said, if you're not part of a church, you're probably not even a Christian. That's how important this is to Christ. And, and, and also understanding that everybody has a role and a responsibility. Back in chapter 1, he said, he's, we've been adopted by God, he told us. So our Heavenly Father adopts us. So in between now and in between the time we are with him, what does he use to love and care for his, ch- his children? The church. That's what he uses. The family. To care for his children with kindness and with prayerful support and help. Verse 20. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Well, again, we're going to talk a little bit about that this weekend. Uh, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Okay, now, I need everybody to really bear down with me on this. Okay, It's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, uh, in whom, who's whom? Jesus. He's the cornerstone. In the whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also, you also, Gentiles, who used to be outsiders, are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit again. So the Apostle Paul turns to one of his favorite metaphors and uses the idea of the church as a building. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. People go, oh, you go to church in a warehouse. That's not a church. Let me take you. I'll show my church. You're like, okay, that's your church. Why is there no people in your church? It's not a church if there's no people. They're not worshiping the Lord. And he says the church is a building and Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. Now, this is where we have to put ourselves in the ancient world just for a second. The cornerstone 
was more important than the foundation. The cornerstone was that big rock they did, and basically everything was built around it. They, they, they used it for engineering purposes. They used it for, for fitting things together. It was the most important part of the building, more important than the foundation. The whole building was built around it, and that's what the church is to be. Thank you for listening to Change by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing message of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website? Changedbyloveradio.com That's changedbyloveradio.com Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or to request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray that you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching through God's Word with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.